0: Welcome back to the Building the Baseline podcast. My name is James McCool. Y'all know me as Paydirt underscore DFS on the Twitterverse, uh, the creator and model guy over at paydirt.ghost.io. I have this podcast where I am interviewing and speaking through things with members of the fantasy community, uh, those members of the fantasy community may be big names they might be guys that are developing content or are playing thousands of dollars a night and they may or may not be uh those that are not doing those things that are more amateur players or have a little bit less um stake in the entire industry as a whole but i just wanted to make this podcast to see kind of the pulse of things within the industry this week i am joined by my good friend jake uh Jake has been with me and, and hanging out with me on Twitter for the most part for the last like couple of years and was nice enough to come on the podcast with me. So Jake, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it was uh it was actually my fiance's idea to have you on um uh, because she she it was actually her idea to have this podcast first off is this entire thing was her idea. And she was like, why don't you have that Jake guy on because he follows both of us and he seems like a really nice guy.
1: Well, uh, thank her for me. Uh, we know that, uh, uh, most women
0: are, are the, the good ideas behind most of what we come up with. <laughs> no kidding. She's, uh, she, she has a much better idea of like, uh, how, how do I say this? Like, uh, like cultural and, and, um, like pop culture and real life stuff. I just live in a computer. So she has to come up with all the ideas in real life. Yeah. I, I mean,
1: I'm, I'm the same way I grind it out uh, day to day. And, you know, if it wasn't for, uh, wasn't for uh, my lady, I, I don't know that I'd come up for air very often. So I certainly
0: understand. So you do have a significant other then. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, 35,
1: um, I'm an executive um, in in a retail environment for a a Fortune 50 company. So I spend a lot of time working. And and so um, in my off time, I've always kind of enjoyed sports. And so this has kind of become my new thing. It's really kind of developed to be a passion of mine, and uh, I certainly uh, would not say I fall in any kind of high-stakes player or anybody who's found a tremendous amount of success. But it's really become uh, something for me that is kind of the game behind the game, I guess, is probably the best way of describing it. But uh, single dad, um, I do have, uh, I do have a fiance, um, but uh, you know, try and be the best uh, dad I can be to an 11-year-old boy and. Um, you know, just all the things that come with life and, and, a high stakes career and, and, uh, and then do this, uh, and, and sweat it out most evenings, just like all the rest of
0: us. So you have a stressful job. You are a single dad with a stressful age child, and then you compound all of that with the stress of DFS.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, probably a much quicker way of, of, uh, putting all of that.
0: Yeah, well I mean it's uh I, I didn't know that you had a kid. That's that's pretty cool. What's your kid's name?
1: Yeah, uh so Brayden. Um and uh, like I said he's 11. Uh he's awesome. He he's uh everything for me and and he loves sports too, so we just uh it's fun for us cuz at that age, I can take him to, to pretty much any kind of sporting event. and We can have a good time. And uh, we've got our favorite teams, but, you know, he's just like me. We can watch pretty much any team and any sport and find a way to enjoy it. So we do that, and that's kind of, uh, that's kind of our thing.
0: What's his favorite sport?
1: So uh, his favorite sport to play uh, is probably baseball, Um, And he does enjoy watching baseball. But uh, I got to be honest, I think he does enjoy watching hockey um, probably more than than any other sport uh, when it comes to a live action. So uh, when it comes to just watching at home on TV, it's probably basketball.
0: That makes sense. I mean, basketball, I've always thought the basketball was the most exciting to be at. I, I like going to Nuggets games. I like going to Rockies games, too, because it's just kind of like, oh, well, you're out at the Great American Pastime, and Coors, obviously, is a, is a super exciting place to be. But I, I can understand how basketball would be the most fun to, one to watch. Um, which one is your favorite?
1: So I grew up, uh, I grew up in, in uh, uh, just outside downtown Cleveland. So I'm, I'm a Cleveland fan for, for most of the professional sports. Uh, so Cavs, Browns, uh, Indians. Um, so for him, you know, and I think this is probably where basketball kind of reaches his heart. You know, I went most of my entire life without seeing the championship. Um, so, you know, at a young age, he gets to see LeBron um and and Kyrie bring a championship to Cleveland. And so I think that's why um basketball probably holds a pretty special place in his heart.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, I can I can see that. I grew up with uh I, I mean I watched football, but I didn't watch football because I had a team that was super good. Like I, I've been a Panthers fan since I was like eight years old or something like that when they had Jake DeLome at quarterback and the most exciting thing about the Panthers at that time I'm pretty sure it was Steve Smith um, or maybe it was uh, I don't remember who it was back then I was so young but you you grow up and you instantly attach yourself to whatever team has your favorite player
1: yeah, so you know it's it's all about those experiences that you have with with teams as you're growing up and and you hit it right on the head it's the ones that you attach to. So I certainly remember, you know, the early 90s Browns and you know a, a lot of those um you know the drive and and you know all of those types of things, but it was really baseball that that I picked up on and you know those early 90s Cleveland Indians and and Detroit Tiger teams. Um, and then, you know, the mid nineties to late nineties Indians teams, you know, obviously that was, that was right in my childhood. So, um, while they were competing for championships, um, you know, that's what really drew me to the game of of baseball and really
0: why I'm such a, a baseball fan today. For sure. I, I didn't ever really have baseball when I was growing up. My mom hated baseball, um, like the, the main sport for me was football when I was growing up because it was my mom's favorite sport and I my dad was not in the picture, so I had to go off of what my mom knew and and be able to like help her with things she loved. So that that was where I came up was with football.
1: Yeah, and so opposite for me, uh, you know, dad in the picture but mom not in the picture, so I mean, I still remember to this day, um, you know, watching games with my dad, uh, my grandfather, my grandparents played a pretty big role in in my upbringing. So I remember, you know, all of us sitting around the TV watching Indians games. Um, I remember, you know, playoff games. And I remember, um, you know, I, again, I was a child, but I remember crying. Uh, when when I think it was Jose Mesa blew the save uh, in the in the, what is that the '95 World Series against uh, against the Marlins and so um, you know I, it, those are the memories though that I think lock you into your experiences with a sport and then how you feel about them for, for the rest of your life. I mean, still to this day, I can watch any baseball game, any baseball game, any team. Um, because it's just, that sport is what captured me at that age.
0: For sure. I, and that, that idea of the emotion that you get from watching the things that you love and and the things that you have always been a part of, um, that, that holds true. And you were, so you were talking a little bit about, you know, eating and breathing Cleveland. Is that where you grew up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up, uh, I grew up in Cleveland, um, all through my childhood, um, and, and went to high school there. Um, it was really early on in, in my like early adulthood, I think by the age of 19 or so, I had already started with my company, um, kind of on the ground floor and, and they transferred me to Toledo, Ohio. Um, and so you get to sit right there, kind of right in the middle of, Indy and Detroit and Cleveland and you had kind of Cincinnati to the south. And so um, all of a sudden you're kind of exposed to, you know, quite a bit more when it comes to sports teams. Um, And so I spent about 10 years there that had, you know, a pretty big impact just in, in expanding my, you know, my circle, I guess, if you will. So it was always Cleveland. But when you're there, Um, You know, games would get blacked out or they'd show other games on TV and all of a sudden you're kind of watching the Bengals play whoever you're watching the Lions play whoever, you you know, and and all of a sudden that's I think that's where kind of my sports love kind of grew outside that comfortable, you know, Cleveland kind of childhood that I had.
0: And did you play sports while you were growing up?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it was a little bit tougher for me. You know, I had uh, divorced parents that lived two hours apart. So um, getting on a sports team where, um, you know, you were only going to be in town every other weekend um, was tough, right? You know, coaches, um, you know, want want players on their teams who, who are dependable and can make it to every game. Um, so uh, in my early childhood, it was very difficult, but uh, as I got a little bit older, Um, especially once I got into high school, um, it was easier to play sports, but at that point, you, you almost feel like you're behind, right? You don't have those same three, four, five, you know, nowadays it's, it's eight, 10, you know, years of, of little league through, um, you know, through, through school ball, get a little bit older. I was able to move into, you know, some high school sports. And at that point, um, you know, my parents had, and, and myself had kind of separated in different directions. And so, you know, high school, I had some more consistency in my schedule and, and could uh, participate, I guess, in sports where I wasn't going to always be absent the way that I was as a child, um, you know, in my my you know, five through, you know, call it 13 or 14 years when, you know, parents have visitation and you're forced to travel. And so, you know, you're, it's really tough to be on a team and have them depend on you when, you know, you're gone and, and, you know, visiting the other part of your family that's hours and hours away. So high school, I was able to, and, um, you know, but I always felt like I was behind. And so really always felt like, you know, the people I was surrounded by, you know, just had better skills and, and, you know, were further along in their development than I was, but didn't stop me from enjoying it, didn't stop me from, you know, trying to to be the best that I could and and hustling and, and just trying to be uh, an effort guy. And I think that's the, probably the best way to describe <laughs> me playing. I was just going to try and out hustle people.
0: Well, and that's important, though. I I mean, sports really, when you're growing up, if you're not going to be a top tier athlete, what it's about is learning how to work with others and learning how to contribute to a group and learning how to gain confidence and, and have fun in doing the things that you put effort towards. It's not all about winning.
1: Yeah. I think you're exactly right. And, and, you know, look, there were so many times where you want to be on the field, you know, whether it's on the diamond, whether it's on the, the football field and, you know, when you're not, it, it sucks. You know, you, you want to be out there, you want to be contributing, you know, you want to be out there and, and, you know, look back there in high school, you you, you want to be out there for the girls or whatever it was that you were trying to do back then. But you're very right. It teaches you so many different lessons I learned a lot um, about teamwork. I learned a lot about camaraderie. I learned a lot about leadership uh, in those years. And um, that, that have absolutely transcended into my career and, and into what I do today, into who I am as a father. And I'll always be grateful for those things. I'll always be grateful for those lessons. And uh, it was definitely a, a path that was tough, but I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: You talked about getting into your company that you're in now when you were young, when you were around 19. Did you have any jobs before that?
1: <laughs> uh, I had the ones in high school um, that I think probably mo- a lot of us have had, you know, I worked at McDonald's. I worked at, you know, a couple different restaurants. I remember, working at a a bar and grill um, that was super awesome, taught me a lot of actually uh, uh, cooking technique that I use today. Um, But uh, like they would bounce my paychecks. So Mm -hmm. like I would just kind of move to the next job. And so I had a bunch of different like food service jobs uh, in high school. But no, this was really my first adult job um, coming out of high school.
0: Was it something, I mean, your current job? Was it something that you saw yourself doing, or did you have different passions when you were younger?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah. This, uh, I, I, um, in Cleveland, uh, they're kind of the home of Progressive Auto Insurance. And so I remember going to Progressive and trying to get in kind of on the ground floor there. And I'm like, oh, I'll work my way up here. And I remember them giving me the feedback after my interview that, hey, you, you just don't have work history. You need to go work somewhere and show us that you, know, you, you can hold down a job, basically. And Um, you know, then we, we'd be happy to, to interview you again and potentially bring you on. So I went home that night and was kind of bummed and my dad was like, well, Hey, why don't you, why don't you go get a job here? And, you know, in the meantime, you can kind of get me a discount and, you know, it'll benefit me and you'll get that job history. So, you know, a couple of days later I went and applied, they brought me on as a part timer and, uh, you know, it's kind of all she wrote from there.
0: That's perfect segue into your day-to-day life. So now that you are in that position, what does your day-to-day life look like? Like what's your, what is your schedule through a week?
1: Yeah. So that is the brutal part. So, uh, I'm up every morning, um, somewhere between, uh, four 30 and five o'clock. Um, and, and, uh, look, I'm, I'm guilty just like a lot of people of hitting the snooze button a few times, but, uh, um, You know, being a single dad, you know, I, I got to wake up a little bit earlier just to make sure that my son's kind of set up for his day. So, you know, I, I lay out his clothes for him. I make sure his schoolwork's all packed in his book bag. I make sure that his lunch is packed and, you know, all those kind of little miscellaneous things. And, um, I get on the road usually about six, uh, somewhere between six and six fifteen, kind of just depending on where I'm going. And, um, you know, then I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in, uh, I have, uh, 14 locations, uh, that stretch over, you know, anywhere about, uh, three hours away is probably the max that I go. Um, and, uh, I'll I'll work anywhere till, you know, four to six o'clock or so, you know, in the evening time. And so when I get home, you know, it's really, it's kind of that crush time, right? That crush time right before lock for most sports. So DFS has kind of occupied that six to seven timeframe for me and uh, once we lock um, you know it's making dinner it's doing homework it's um, you know uh, reading books and, and doing all sorts of cool things and yeah and so you know then you, you get all that done and and uh, you know Monday through Friday uh, you know I'm, <laughs> that I guess depends on the level of sweat um, you know if I'm starting to uh, look like it's going to be a good evening I'll I'll keep it up. Um, you know, I, I'll buy it's you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for buying the MLB network and NBA TV and all that good stuff. So if it's a good sweat, um, if it's looking good, I'll stay up and watch whatever games there are to watch. And if it's not looking good, I get to bed, um, you know, just try and get started on the next day a little bit
0: earlier, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's a long day, dude. I, i do not have a kid i have two cats but i do not have a kid so like that even when i was playing with regular volume and and trying to pay my bills through dfs i i cannot imagine also having another you know full-time morning to evening night like job on top of having a a family and responsibilities and stuff like that i i could i don't think i could handle that
1: you know, you, you don't think you can until you do. And then, you know, you just kind of, I, I mean, you, I hate to say it, but you figure it out. Um, you know, I, I have every confidence you'd be able to. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, there's things that you that you want to do or that you think you want to do um, that maybe you give up. Like I'd love to learn, um, you know, the, the whole mass entry uh, part of DFS. But That's just not something that's even feasible for me. And, you know, maybe someday it'll be there or maybe someday on a vacation, it'll be a, you know, something that I try and pick up and do a little bit of something with, but, you know, it, it does translate into my DFS world because, um, you know, with the limited time that I have, um, you know, it forces you to be a single entry or a three max kind of player. And I'm okay with that. You know, I realize that's probably my limitation. Uh, you know, that part's okay with me.
0: So outside of sports uh, and like watching sports, stuff like that, what else do you like to do in your free time?
1: You know, I just, uh, it's kind of whatever my little guy's into at the time. Um, You know, we've kind of gone a little bit all over the place. Um, So recently, you know, my company had me move out here to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania And, uh, um, so, uh, you know, you have a lot more access here, uh, kind of where we live. We live about a half hour North of the city. Um, you have a lot more access to like central Pennsylvania, which is, you know, a lot of, of mountain, a lot of lakes and rivers and, and places where you can start camping and fishing and and hunting. And I grew up in the inner city, so I have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, my little guy here's his friends are doing it. And so, you know, we, this past summer, like we gave all that a shot. Um, he had a great time. I had no idea what I was doing, but we had a great time and, uh, you know, picked up some stuff that, uh, that I don't think I ever thought I would do, but camping, fishing, uh, those are kind of, I guess the new things that we do and
0: just kind of get into whatever he's into. God, I fucking hate camping, Jake. <laughs> i I live in my computers, and every once yeah. in a while Margaret and I like will like we go out and we go do things and i don't I like hiking, but uh camping man sleeping on the the actual earth is just not my wave
1: <laughs> i will uh I'll be honest um so you know I'm a big guy, right, and uh uh it's not the best thing for me either, and so um, you know, we've gotten creative. You know, there's different things you can do to make it a little bit better on you. You know, blow up mattresses and things like that. So, you know, first couple times, yeah, it was probably a little rough, but uh, we were living all right. We were living all right. You know, the next couple of times. But um, I'm like you. You know, I'm attached to to my surface. You know, pretty much 24/7. My phone 24/7. And Uh, those things are nice because there's no signal uh, when you go to those kind of places. And so you're almost forced to kind of disconnect and and it really kind of just feels totally different. You know, you get a little nervous about it at first, but uh, by the time it's done, it feels really good. And and you feel recharged in a way that uh, that I've not that I've not experienced any other way.
0: You know, that's something that I I've really been trying to focus on more. Is is disconnecting and getting away from, you, you know, bef- before I started my company and before I started my website, um I I worked a lot of hours at Number Well Man, and I I worked a lot of hours before that when I was um working with DraftKings and when I was working with Daily Roto, and I I worked a lot of hours, and I would work past. 5 p.m. past 6 p.m. past 7 p.m. I mean there were days where I I was putting in 14-15 hours um, straight of just work and actual like hard computer work and um, the freedom now where I can outside of when I'm doing podcasts and stuff like that the freedom when I can just kind of sit back after 6 p.m take off my, my Apple watch and not be connected to my computers or my phone or be getting notifications. It is a beautiful thing.
1: It is. And, you know, it's, it's something that I've gotten better at the older I've gotten. So, you know, those, those mid twenties to probably early thirties, awful. I was just as bad as you. Um, you know, and, and at the time, you know, my, my little guy, a lot younger, there's a lot of things I missed, uh, during those years. And so, um, you know, it, it's kind of, as I've gotten older that I've been just mindful, I've been mindful that, you know, there's, there's time for, there's time for work. And then there's time that I owe, um, to either myself or to my son, um, to be there and to be present. And, uh, You know, it's tough. It's tough. And, and so in a way, you know, you just have to, it's, it's practice. It's just like everything else that we do. You practice at it and you get better. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten better, but I'm certainly not great by any means, but you're, you're spot on. You got to be able to, to disconnect and kind of put that attention where maybe it,
0: it deserves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So then you, you have all of these things going on. You have work and you have DFS and you have your, your kid and you have all these different things. Is there anything that you wish that you could be like doing right now, whether it's be working on something or be kind of just like studying something that you just don't have time for?
1: Yeah. I think uh, the big thing for me is I would like to eventually um, start my own company. And so in a way, you know, Ton of respect, um, and and almost to the point of a little bit of jealousy on um, what you're doing with pay dirt, and um, you know I, I see a tremendous amount of value and and um, just growth potential and what it is that you're doing. And and while mine would be a little bit different, obviously you occupy the DFS space. You know I occupy some business space. Um, you know, to get to a point where um, I have the courage to pull the trigger to do that kind of thing, um, you know, financial and and stability wise um, is something I definitely look forward to. And I think I'm getting closer and closer, um, you know, just haven't quite pulled the trigger yet. Um, And then honestly, you know, there is, there is, and and for lack of it sounding cheesy on a podcast about DFS, um, you know, there is part of me that would like to get, a little bit more involved and a little bit um, um, probably more knowledgeable and, and maybe more volume when it comes to the DFS space. You know, I feel like I've made some pretty big strides over the, the last year. Um, but you know, it, it definitely feels like there's some opportunity for me to continue to grow and, and kind of enjoy this space that, uh, that I'm in right now.
0: Yeah. There's two things that I'll touch on with that. And um, the, the first one being like, not being ready to take the leap into your own business and not feeling that you have security. I am still scared every single day that the things that I am doing are not going to work. And like every single day, I'm scared that I'm not gonna hit the yearly revenue that I need to maintain a regular lifestyle or that uh, the models are gonna be bad for like a week. And then everybody's gonna be like, ah, fuck this, you know? Like it's uh, constantly nerve wracking to bet on yourself, but the freedom that it allows you and the, um, just the opportunities that it allows you for who you are and who you can become and what you can build for yourself. Uh, it, it's a pretty incredible thing. And, um, it, it's just like, you're never going to feel like it's the right time and you're never going to feel like you have the stability that you want until you just go for it because the comfortability of your of your everyday lifestyle you're giving all of that up to try to have something more and so that that instability is always going to be there and and the the other thing with uh with DFS and wanting to get more involved in that and get more involved in uh and play more volume and learn those more things like it's it's great it's a lot of fun but i think that where you are now you there's a balance that's important because we we are in an industry full of degenerates and you don't want to become a degenerate when you have so many good things going for your life, you know?
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, there's, um, look, there's one person who gave me advice when I took down my first tournament, uh, last year and I'm on a podcast with them. So, um, you know, it takes having people like that who are, are, willing to stick up for you and willing to, you know, make sure that they're there to tell you the right things. And I think that's why the community um, that you're building for me has been so fun to watch because, um, you know, I've, the discord that we have and and the folks who follow uh, you on Twitter and that you interact with and mentions and things like that, you know, everybody, you know, has a perspective and, I think when you start to look at those just from person to person, to person, to person, you could kind of put together, right? Like a, an overview, I suppose, if you will. Um, and, and it is, it it helps you find some balance because you, you hear somebody say, Hey, you know, I, I deposited again, or you hear people who say, no, I, I pulled it out and I'm taking a little bit of a break or you and I can have a conversation that, Hey, you know, this is not, uh, this is not a slate you want to play with any kind of volume. Um, and so I think it's important. I think it's about connection and and connecting with the right people, uh, who will give you that advice, who, who will uh, not be afraid to say, Hey, I've been there and you know, here's, here's what I can offer you. And maybe someday I'll be that person, right? Maybe someday there'll be some new person and I can give them the same advice uh, that I've received.
0: And I'm sure that you will. Sure. You will. Um, that's okay so let's let's move on to the fantasy industry since we are now kind of like talking about the industry and the community that that we're looking to build up and everything like that so what first kind of got you into fantasy sports in general
1: oh boy man i've been playing like season-long fantasy since like probably grade school i want to say like my first like yahoo fantasy football teams were probably like seventh eighth grade um i remember um i remember doing march madness in high school um i won the the my school's uh you know brackets i think we paid 20 bucks a pop but it was the year that Mello took syracuse and and won the championship um um, i mean as long as i can remember and so You know, that yearly fantasy sports kind of was what got me into it. Um, But, man, it wears on you. You know, one injury, um, and and I I could tell you a story about um, two years ago, which kind of led to me getting into DFS um, of just, you know, what drove me to decide, like, I don't want to do season long anymore. I don't want to be tied up and committed to people who, you know, could break their leg the next day.
0: Yeah, and and one of the things it's so interesting. I've had a, a couple of different people with um, season long, you know, exposure, and um, it, it's always interesting the genesis point when you go from season long to daily fantasy, and everybody has a different reason for it. So, your what was your main reason for going from <laughs> season long to daily fantasy?
1: Yeah. So it was Kareem Hunt's uh, last season in Kansas city. We all know uh, what he, he was caught on tape doing. Um, I had been in first place in that league. Uh, it was a high dollar league. I think it was a $200 buy-in. So we we were talking, you know, pretty good cash for coming in first place. And um, I was in first place the whole season and well ahead um, in points and record and all of that, you know, playoffs was looking like it was going to be a breeze. And, uh, you know, fast forward, the video of Kareem Hunt comes out. I I want to say that was in the latter third of the season. Um, I got hit with an injury or two. My quarterback, I don't even remember who it was at this point. I think it might have been Cam Newton, um, you know, had gotten hurt and, you know, had another person like a backup running back get hurt. and, And I ended up not even cashing. Like I ended up you know, with the best record in the league, I ended up scoring the most points by a ton. And I think I came in fourth place and I just was like, you know what, this is stupid. Like I had everything right. I drafted correct. And, you know, it just didn't work out for me. And I was like, I, you know, and at that point, you know, draft Kings and places like that were starting to become pretty prevalent in advertisement, and advertisement. I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a try because you know, this season long thing,
0: just it's grinding my gears. Yeah, that would, that would piss me off too. I, uh, I remember I I got into daily fantasy because of a coworker who was talking about um, wanting to play. And actually what I downloaded first was draft was um, the, you know, the snake style draft and like where everybody mm-hmm. played best balls. And that was the first thing that I downloaded. And then we couldn't find each other. Like we couldn't play each other for money. So he was just like, Oh, I'll just dra- download DraftKings and play me head to head on that. I'm like, okay, sure. Whatever. Um, and so we got into that and I, you know, I, with my background in football and with my background in mathematics and everything like that, uh, it was just an instant kind of, I have to get better at this. And it started out just wanting to kick my, my employee's ass at, in head to head. Like (laughs) that's, that was all that I wanted to do at first, but then, um, he, he took down a tournament, um, like in a couple weeks and i was like oh well if, if lee can do it like i can do it and then i started playing tournaments and that was you know that's the story
1: it's funny the similarity um it was a coworker who introduced me to you um he he uh i remember him you know saying hey you got to follow this guy on twitter like this guy knows his shit like he's he this guy you gotta follow him he 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 knows everything about that there is to know and I had been playing very very low volume MBA uh, at that time so this was MBA I think of, of last year or two years ago and um, you know I was happy if I I doubled up in cash like in a cash game <laughs> if I could get to the end of the week and be five hundred like I considered that successful at that time. And uh um, you know, I remember following you on Twitter, and that's kind of that's how we met, but it's funny that you mentioned coworkers because that that was exactly who introduced me to uh, uh to your
0: uh, Twitter handle yeah, and I, and I remember that too. I remember that that whole interaction because that was when I was first uh, trying to kind of spread my wings is putting out information on Twitter instead of behind paywalls and stuff like that so that that's funny how that works out.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, that's how things go, though. I mean, it's all about meeting people and making those connections. Um, It's it's how we all find
0: success one way or another. When you play, are you playing in a more optimal style or a more contrarian style? (laughs) Um, So
1: I would say that initially, I was definitely optimal. Right. And, uh, I didn't know, I mean, there's just so much I didn't know. I didn't know about ownerships. I didn't know about, um, you know, uh, usage rates and, and all these types of things. So, you know, I was all about, Hey, just pop into the optimizer and let's go with what comes out. And so, you know, I'd end up with just an entire lineup of chalk and, You know, it kind of goes back to that. If I just made it even by the end of the week, I thought that was really great. And so um, for me, it's all it's been about um, learning. It's been about learning more of the the back, um, the back end of what's required to take down a tournament, what's required to to have an ROI over time. And so I've definitely become more contrarian and more aggressive um, as I've learned, you know, those types of things almost to the point where um, I've had to learn where's the tipping point that's too aggressive. Where do you over leverage? Where do you, you know, when are you too contrarian um, to the point where it's not going to benefit you even if it does go the way that you want it to go. So um, I think it's kind of a pendulum. I was all one way, kind of swung all the other way. And I want to say I've landed somewhere on being aggressive um, and, and being, um contrarian or or just to a point where it's beneficial to me long term
0: yeah and we you know we've had discussions about that not only with in the discord recently but you know over the last year of trying to figure out the right optimum um balance between contrarianism and and optimal building and you mentioned being over leveraged and i think that with with my next question where I, i usually ask if people think there's still edge in the industry um I think that over the last couple of months where I've been doing more research on my own and running more experiments and stuff like that, like I was and I still am annoyed this NBA season has been a shit show. But I think that what we have seen from NBA is that um, the edge does not necessarily exist in the way that people think that it does in being purely contrarian. The, the, the edge exists in being able to have an optimal mindset, but also knowing how to pivot in the right spots.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there's so much conversation you can have around edge. I mean, we could have a whole nother podcast to talk about different places that you find edges and, and yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, you know, not only has NBA been kind of a shit show this year, um, but, you know, for me, NFL was a complete shit show this year for me too. And uh, it is, it's, but it, but I think it goes back to, um, you know, can you say with uh, an absolute certainty um, that everybody's out there trying to get better, trying to learn, trying to improve their craft. And, and so you know, in the DFS space, you know, what percentage is it? And that's kind of what I always ask myself. What percentage of people are putting in as much effort as I am or is associated with a group or a website um, that is that is equally as committed to continuing to kind of evolve. And so I think, you know, that answer is is not a great amount of, of the players. You've always got the sharks or the touts or whatever you want to call them that that are going to constantly be doing that. But I think the average player is probably not putting a tremendous amount of effort into Just learning and evolving the craft. It's just like anything else. It's like a sport. It's like your work. Um, If you're not constantly putting in effort to evolve, then you're going to probably always continue to just turn in the same result.
0: This is an interesting question because you are not a pro player, but do you think that pro players have had an easier or a harder time with the way that the industry is in its current state? Like with everybody having all the tools for NBA and with us getting better stats for NFL, how do you think the pro players are dealing with it?
1: No, I mean, I think they still run into the same, you know, to the same troubles that we do, right? It, I mean, I still think they're just as capable of of catching a bad beat, um, you know, like, like I did tonight. Um, and, and so I think those pieces are there. Um, but as that information becomes more and more marketable, I think that definitely um, it takes a little bit of the edge off. But I think as the market for information has grown, mm-hmm. Uh, So has the market for disinformation. And so uh, I remember uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago, just getting into this kind of into this space, like paying a guy 10 bucks for a lineup. Like, all right, this guy, you know, seems he's got a bunch of screenshots of winning money. Like, you know, let's pay this guy 10 bucks and see what, you know, his lineup. You know, churns out, and there's probably people who never come off of that. And so, while I think that there's absolutely places where you know those those heavy volume or, or heavy uh, dollar players um, have lost some advantage, I think there's probably places where they've gained it as well, um, just because there's a lot of disinformation and misinformation out there as well.
0: Totally understand that, and that'll that'll be a nice segue into this next portion where we talk about where the industry is headed. Uh, you said that you think that there are a lot of people that are kind of still doing the same thing that they have been doing where they don't try to uh, move things forward and they don't try to um, get on to the next thing before the rest of the community. So what do you think when you look at uh, the fantasy industry now, what do you think it looks like in the next year or like the next five years? So I think it is, I think it's dependent
1: on sport and I think it's dependent on commissioner um, of each sport. Um, I think that basketball um, and to a little bit lesser of an extent, football are headed towards DFS and sports betting being a very large part of the overall experience. Um, A sport like baseball where, where that commissioner has seemed to be much less aggressive in evolution of the game. Um, and right or wrong, we could have a whole other podcast on that, but right or wrong, less aggressive in evolving the game and the game style, um, I think that there's there's big steps that are probably coming ahead for DFS and for sports gambling um, when it comes to the integration with with those leagues. Um, so you think about NBA, you think about Adam Silver, you think about some of the changes they made to – when players have to be, you know, announced that they are playing or they aren't playing, you you look at DraftKings' new deal with the NFL, um, and in accessibility of data, um, data scraping, um, all those types of website websites and whatnot. So I think that there's some there's some serious evolution that probably comes in the next year or two, and it's interesting. It will be interesting to see a sport that I love and a sport that I actually feel like I'm much better at in DFS and baseball, um, how that comes along comparative to NBA and to NFL uh, with a commissioner who's, who's less aggressive.
0: Yeah. Rob Manfred is um, less aggressive is certain, certainly one way to put what he is. Uh, he, I think it's the nicest way of putting it. Yeah. It's one of the nicer ways you could, you could describe him. Um, so you you think that there is you certainly think there's room to expand for baseball right absolutely I
1: mean there's so much uh so much accessibility that is available to a league uh to market to these kind of fans, so you think about just. Man, I just think about how do you how do you attract fans to a game, especially if you're a, a smaller market team that doesn't typically sell out? Those are the things that I kind of think of. But how do you attract fans to that game who typically uh, would not come to that game? And and then how do you leverage knowing there's these millions upon millions of people who are playing DFS and playing uh in, in sports gambling as it becomes legal across states upon states. So, you know, the greatest example I can give you is is I'm here in Pittsburgh and uh the pirates are awful. They're terrible. Um and so, you know, there's probably a lot of times that you're gonna stack against the pirates this coming year. And so how do you as the pirates leverage getting people into the stadium uh who are sports gambling, who are DFS playing, um and get them into the stadium, buying tickets, buying concessions that all add to your overall revenue, and I think there's a lot of different things that that teams like that could do to capitalize on it um, if they wanted to, if they were were um, if they could see into the future enough and and, be, be, and have enough of that kind of foresight to invest in that type of in that type of fan base
0: yeah, it's a really interesting conversation actually to have about um Kind of uh, incentivizing the skin in the game and saying, hey, well, the Pirates suck. But uh, if you have a lineup with, uh, you know, people from this game, then you get like 50% off a hot dog at concessions or or something like that. There's a lot of really interesting things you can go through with that.
1: Yeah. And as technology evolves, I mean, it just, obviously it opens so much up. So, you know, DraftKings Sportsbook here in PA, I mean, I get these just ridiculously stupid offers like, you know, bet $50 on Penn State um, on the spread and get $3 for every three pointer they hit. I mean, I've bet on Penn State games with absolutely no interest and I could not name you a player on Penn State (laughs) Um, just because there've been some of those fun kind of prop bets. I mean, Earlier this year, I got the uh, the 76ers plus 76 against the Lakers with a max bet of 50 bucks. Um, so you know a, a guaranteed payout, and they did it just to to enthuse people into putting money onto the website. It's a great marketing ploy, um, but how do you take that and just take it one step further? How do you how do you you know give somebody a deal if you know with your location settings on your phone if you're within a mile of the ballpark? you know, you get an extra run on the, the over under on a Pirates game. I mean, just simple things like that. Um, you just got to, there has to be somebody who has the vision to be able to move the business that way, because it's where it's headed. In in my opinion.
0: It's a really cool idea that, uh, you know, you want to start a business. There's a business that you could start, right? <laughs> yeah, I just have to sell somebody on it, I suppose. When you are looking towards future, do you think that you're going to continue to play?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think this is something that uh, um, provides me, um, even though you know it's st- stress to a point, right? You're sweating it out, or you're trying to build a lineup, or whatever it might be. Um, in a way, it's it's downtime. In a way, it it pulls my attention or my stress from you know something that you know my work and and what I accomplished there and kind of puts it something towards more that I would say is a passion, you know, sports. And I'm okay with that. My, I would rather be stressed about sports than stressed about, uh, stressed about my work or, or those types of things in my personal life. So in a way it's kind of an escape and yeah, I absolutely think that I'll continue to play and continue to evolve and, um, hopefully find, uh, find even more success than I've found here in the past.
0: Yeah, I got to get those uh, those five figure banks. Um, so it's, you know, it's pretty obvious that you're pretty happy with where you're at in terms of your work and, and DFS and stuff like that. You said that you wanted to get into MME. I just wanted to ask, you know, if, if you were going to try to get into MME, what do you think you would have to learn?
1: Um, so it's, it's probably, it's along the lines of optimization. It's along the lines of, um, um, leverage points. It's, it's usage rates. It's, it's all those exposures. Um, it's just a whole nother level, um, of complexity compared to where you are if you're only building a single entry lineup. So if I'm playing 10 tourneys today, and i'm using the same lineup for all of them, like I have a hundred percent exposure to the players that i 'm playing, and so on a night like tonight where I have somebody lay an absolute egg, obviously, I wish I would have had less exposure to that person but um so I think it's just it's just a whole different level of complexity to learn, and you know the more that you learn, the more that you know uh the better you think you may have figured out um you know what your strategy is and what your, um, cadence is and what your structure is around how you build lineups and and how you ultimately, um, try and, and take down tournaments.
0: Well, hopefully we can start learning some of that stuff in, uh, in the discord as we continue to move forward. But, um, that is going to mostly close out what this podcast is. The last part is kind of, uh, you know things that you wanted to give out to the listeners you know if you, if you had one piece of advice for somebody who 's listening right now, what would it be
1: uh don 't over leverage <laughs> I think the uh, the biggest takeaway i 've had um, in probably the past couple of months is is uh, it 's so easy to get contrarian it 's so easy to build contrarian. And, and really get off um, value and get off, um, you know, people call it good chalk bad chalk it, It's just very easy to get away from what can help you be successful um, when you start to do the mathematics behind what you actually need to have enough variance that will catapult you forward. And so um, it, it's a little bit about math. It's a little bit about structure, lineup structure, uh, game theory. Um, and so I think that the more you invest time in learning those types of things, I think a little bit quicker, maybe you'll find some success, um, whether, whether it's, it's small success or, or big success, um, similar to what I've been able to find, you know, over the last couple
0: of months. For sure. And is there anything that you wanted to ask the listeners? Like if people were listening, if you had any like things that you wanted to ask out to the community, what would it be?
1: think uh, the biggest thing I'd ask is like, what stops people, um, or what stops you from asking questions and, and um, to a certain extent, being vulnerable? Um, I think I see a lot of times where, you know, and and it's any chat, but you know, where where you just kind of you'll read articles or you'll read what people say kind of in the background, but you get afraid to ask the tough questions that maybe. There's quite a few people who want to ask. And so, hey, run, run me through, you know, how you guys look at, you know, stacking. Run me run me through how you guys are looking at a certain player tonight. Um, and it's just so interesting when you get those different perspectives, um, when you just go out and you ask the question. And I think sometimes people get a little afraid. Um, of what people think or, you know, are people going to think I'm a noob or whatever it might be? So my question to to people listening today would just be what stops you? What stops you from from asking those types of tough questions that uh, you don't know the answers to? And, and, you know, let's talk about those kind of things, too.
0: You got anything cool that you got uh, coming up that you wanted to talk about really quick?
1: Yeah, no, my birthday's Sunday. That's about it.
0: <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: going to be going to be 35. Uh I've uh I've got my fiance here in town because she lives uh, a couple hours away. We both work and so we can't uh we can't be together all the time. So she's in town. Uh parents are uh um or you know parent my parents, they're my aunt and uncle, but I call them my parents. They're they're going to come to town too and um they kind of raised me a little bit. So I'm excited. I'm excited to have them all together, but that's about uh, that's about it for now.
0: Well, happy early birthday, man. Um... I really appreciate you being on this podcast with me and kind of like shooting the shit a little bit and and talking about your experiences with DFS. Um, This is going to bring a close to our podcast. Once again, I am James McCool. This has been the Building the Baseline podcast with Jake McKenna. Uh, Thanks to everybody for tuning in and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks a lot.